Welcome back to You Gotta Meet Her podcast. I'm Christine Barr, and as always, we are talking with beautiful, beautiful people that are willing to be honest and true and tell us about their story. I know at the beginning of the season, I kind of dropped a bomb on you and told you we would be talking with men. Today we are, we are talking with Rick. Rick is um, a good friend of my family and he is really good friends with my husband. I am so proud of him on this podcast. He said that he didn't know if he would be rambling too much, but he hits us with nugget after nugget after nugget after nugget of beautiful truth and understanding and he's so honest throughout this whole thing so I am so ready for us to deep dive and some men's minds where we probably wouldn't get that you know that that insight without being able to just sit down and ask weird questions that we ask women. Um, I will have to be honest. I threw in a couple of different questions that I normally do for the women because it was, how do you say, I needed to know. (laughs) I needed to know what these men are going through. And we all have been asked the question as women, How do you balance being a mom, a wife, and, you know, having a job? Well, guess what? I'm going to ask the men the same question because we always talk about, well, you don't ask men that question. Well, okay, let's ask those men those questions. And I think after listening to a couple of these episodes, um, you're going to have a different outlook just as I do. Not one was pretentious in the conversation or made me feel like it wasn't a good question, but it was so eye-opening to be able to hear their answers. And I think that you'll be surprised at their answers as well. It kind of sparked a conversation where I wanted to go and ask my husband, like, how do you balance all those things? after listening. So maybe you'll feel the same way and it sparks that. But I'm going to take away from um, my dialogue and wait to the end to talk to you. But please meet Rick. All right. So today we're talking with Rick. Rick, tell us a little bit about you. Well, hey, everybody. Um, My name is Rick Diamond. I actually live in the Dallas, Texas area. I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so yes, I went from Sin City to the best state in the union. Um, <laughs> I, um, I am on my second marriage with my beautiful wife, Christy. We have together combined four children and uh, a grandchild actually. Oh, wow. um, my wife and I um, work together um, in a business where we, we actually coach and counsel uh, couples who are um, on the brink of divorce. And, and um, I work for an amazing organization called the Marriage Boot Camp. And um, uh, my wife actually has her own practice, which she's called the Healing Coach, and she works with women herself. So um, I, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I love my life, love what I do and everything. and. Um, 
What more do you want to know about me? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. I love that. So um, what is your race and ethnic background? Okay, sure. I am um, Caucasian, white. Um, uh, my ethnic background. I, I think my family came from Germany. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly, or Austria, actually it's Austria. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, they actually changed the name, uh, their last name, which was um, kind of a Dijak kind of a last name to Diamonds when they came here. Um, and uh, so now I'm a, a girl's best friend. <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> That's how I got my wife. I told her if I sat on her hand, she'd have the world's largest diamond on her hand. So <laughs> that's smooth. I like that. I like that. So were you when you were growing up, even though you were in Nevada, did you have um, influence like German influence at all? No, actually, my, my grandfather was actually Jewish. They were they they left um, there because of their uh, religious background, their religious beliefs and everything. Um, and so really growing up, I didn't have any real religious um, influence. And, um, you know, but I spent time with um, some family who uh, were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, I actually uh, studied that and, and um, studied many religions during that time of, of, of my youth and uh, ended up um, joining uh, the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and ended up going on a mission uh, for the church for two years um, and um, became an Eagle Scout as a result of being active in, in the church and everything. So um, that's kind of where my um, my childhood took me towards. And that's where I got a lot of my morals from, you know, doing the, the scouting, um, understanding what being becoming a good man is. And that's where it all began. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, because I, I ask all the women that, right? Like I, everybody I ask, like, what is your ethnic background? Because we're not always what we appear to be with our culture. So for you to say, yeah, they changed their name, they came from Germany, and then they didn't want that here. We were, you know, they had problems with religion here. And so for you to go on that journey, it kind of reminds you, hey, like, I still have a choice. I'm not mm -hmm. tied to what is in my blood, right? Sure. So yeah. how was your childhood? You said you went on a mission. So what were you like as a little boy? Were you super energetic? Were you a thinker? Were you a reader? You said you were I an Eagle an Scout. Entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur as a child. I'll, I'll tell you. So my parents um, divorced at, at, when I was four years old, mm -hmm. four or five. Um, there was a, a point where I think I was probably about six years old where I decided that I wanted to make a little money. Um, so I went around with my little red wagon. If you remember those wagons, it, it actually said red wagon on it and everything. Yeah. So I went around through the neighborhood and I stole everybody's newspapers. <laughs> and then I, then I went back to, to their houses, knocked on the doors and tried to sell them back to them. And uh, until my, my, my mom found out and I had to give them all back. But that was me trying to earn money as a little kid you know, feeling like uh, getting my entrepreneurial um, spirits going at that point. But uh, um, I, I actually, I, I, as far as I know, I was a good kid. All my family loved me. They, they actually called me Ricky and I don't like being called Ricky anymore. Yeah. Um, I went with just Rick because I felt like Ricky's too childish, but they still call me that. But that was <laughs> me. And, and, you know, growing up, I can remember um, because my parents were split, I actually ended up 
spending some time with my mom and some time with my dad. But then I even lived with an, uh, an aunt and uncle um, in Arkansas. Um, I lived with uh, an aunt and uncle, um, well, still in Nevada, it's just a different town. Um, and then I lived with my dad in Alaska. So actually, I moved around quite a bit as a child. I never really had a, um, I don't think I, I stayed in one, uh, one school for more than two years. Um, oh, no. and, um, and, and that was difficult, but it's, I, mean, I, I easily make friends. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've always been that way. But the bad part of that is that I don't have, I, I haven't had friends long-term, mean, meaning mm-hmm. like I don't have like a best friend from my childhood. Yeah. Um, the closest I have is a, is a friend that I got close to in high school because we were both musicians. Um, and, and, you know, but then I moved away and she, you know, went her way and, and kind of thing. And so, but we've, we've kept in, kept in some contact over the years. Um, but just, you know, I, I, I've never had that, that best friend I can say that I've had since childhood. Um, so that's, that's the bad part of it. But I have seen a lot of the country, even before, um, I mean, become an adult, I had, you know, traveled to Florida to go to Disney World and California to go to Disneyland and Alaska and Utah, and, you know, mountains. I love mountains. And, and so that was all just as a, a child up to my teens. Um, being yeah. able to, my favorite memory as a teen was going up to my family's cabin up in Utah, uh, going fishing and um, four-wheeling and stuff like that. So a lot of that actually has been stuff that I've enjoyed throughout my life. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to go into you traveling. Why were you traveling as a child so much? Like you you were going with a family, but like, why were you moving from family to family? I was getting shipped off. So my, uh, my father would send me to Arkansas to live for a little while. Um, or, and then he'd be in a different position. My, my father really um, struggled to stay in relationships. And um, sometimes he had to move me in order to change his situation. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, of course, and I'd go back to live with my mom. My mom would want me back. And yeah. she also had my two little brothers, but they never went to go live with my father. My father always had me move to where he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, so it's just, it was just different situations. I don't I actually don't have a lot of recollection memories of, um, of my childhood, just kind of, you know, spots of, um, different situations. Yeah. And being in those different situations where then you would have to move. Yeah. Yeah. I told I totally understand that, but at that age, you were still able to pick out, oh, I'm going over here and I'm going over here. So it probably was a lot different for you at that age than it would be as an adult yeah. to have that, that the be able to, um, what am I trying to say? Recognize what situation you were in. And I think I've taken all the positive mm-hmm. things that have happened and, and really remembered those and kind of blocked out the negatives. You know, I, I don't remember the divorce of my parents I don't remember them fighting. I, I know that that happened um, from later conversations with my mother, but um, I don't remember those. I've blocked out a lot of those. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Um, I want to get into um, the boot camp just a little bit because I've had one person, uh, me and my husband have gone through, but then um, I've had one person that did pathways 
that's been on the path on the podcast, but bootcamp is a little bit different from that. Can you explain what your role is in it? Because when I say bootcamp, people think it's a workout. Right? <laughs> so right. can you explain bootcamp a little bit and what role do you have in it? Well, let me tell you, it is a bootcamp. It is a workout. You're working out your emotions, right? Um, throughout time, we, we, we have a lot of people have trauma in their life and they don't realize that trauma can actually be something as, as, as what you might think as, as a child, I got, I, I was, I was picked last of playing, you know, basketball with all the kids and that's traumatic for a little child. Um, and we carry that trauma. And then there are stories that we teach ourselves or that we tell ourselves um, as we go throughout life. And that's where our beliefs come from. And so when we're in a relationship, sometimes our beliefs clash a lot. Um, and we're, one person may think an action of, um, you know, I, I ran a red light. So um, my, my belief about that action is that you are careless. You are, um, you know, you don't, you don't consider the laws of the land. Where another person might be, actually, their belief at that moment is, if I don't get to work right now, I'm going to get fired. And then I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose, you know, everything that I have and everything. So I, I have to go through this red light. So in a, in a marriage relationship, those beliefs sometimes will clash and trauma from the past will take over our brain literally to a point where we're just, we're fighting, we're, um, we're not um, in a place of love when that's the person that you should love the most, right? And so what Marriage Bootcamp does and my specific role as a director um, is I get the, I get the opportunity to, to get up on stage and, and walk people through drills. And that's why we, we call it a bootcamp because we, we don't, we don't have one person that stands up on stage and you, and you, it's boring. You take notes. We're moving you through drill after drill after drill. And there's, there's hundreds of drills um, throughout the four day uh, process. And um, each drill is actually going to be bringing up a, or taking off a different layer, right? Of that onion, you know, just like, like an onion where you're, you're pulling layers back. Well, all these traumas we're pulling away and we're digging in and we're having you face those traumas. And some of those can be just like tra trauma from your father, from your mother, from uh, an abuser of some sort. Um, and you get the opportunity to finally forgive and learn how and understand how to forgive so you can move forward. And then once we've peeled away all that, that hurt and that pain, now we build you back up. We give you um, new tools on how to communicate your feelings and how to listen to the to, to your spouse. Um, we call them the ABCs and the MVP. It's really simple. You know, A stands for action. Your B stands for the belief about that action. And the C is the consequence or the feeling behind that. Um, and then the MVP, so that's how you're able to speak your feelings. The MVP is where the, your spouse is listening. So they're going to mirror back so that you feel heard. And then um, you're going to validate um, saying, you know, even though I may not agree, but I can see why you would, um, you'd feel that way. And you're stepping into their shoes just to get an understanding of, of where they're coming from. And, and, and in that, sometimes you actually even begin to see that little four or five-year-old of your spouse. And they're, and even though they're fighting with you, they're just, it's just the pain from when they were a child or from, from an experience that's coming out, it's not even you. And, and that's what my wife and I had learned. We actually went through a few years ago um, and my, my wife literally dragged me to the boot camp. I didn't want to go. I felt like it was stupid, a waste of money. And now here I am, a director. Of it. <laughs> um, so obviously it, it, it changes people. Um, and, um, you know, in, in this boot camp, you, you actually 
um, have an opportunity to uh, to to um, not only for, forgive people in the past, forgive your spouse, but forgive yourself and forgive God. Sometimes people, um, you know, who were very spiritual, you know, loving, loving of God and everything have a hard time. Maybe somebody died and they have a hard time forgiving God. And so they have that opportunity as well. And, um, you know, the, the, the boot camp, it's, uh, it is, is truly a ministry. Now we don't, we don't push religious beliefs on the people, but we, you know, everything that we do is vetted through God and through Christ. And, um, you know, we, we, we try to make it powerful, spiritual, um, and emotional. And, you know, so it, it is a workout. It's working out of your emotions. Um, you know, we find my, my wife and I in our, in our practice and the couples that we worked with, we find that, that women get triggered one of three ways. Either they feel unheard, unsafe, um, or unseen, right? And so anytime a woman feels any of those, she's going to get triggered and she's going to fight. Um, and that for a husband, if he feels coached, if he feels criticized, or if he feels that his wife is being closed off to him, that's going to trigger him. So once we realize where all those triggers are coming from, which is childhood trauma or just trauma in the past, um, we're able to actually help people see that it's not their spouse that's the enemy right. and that they can come back together. Um, and, and that's what the boot camp. So the boot camp for our practice, um, it's important. We send couples to it and then we do the aftercare um, and, and help them because four days is not going to solve every problem. It's a great beginning. Um, but afterwards, they need that consistent behavior over time to actually build that trust again. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think you articulate it way better than I could ever. <laughs> I'm like, you just have to go. Just go. You'll figure it out. I don't know what it is. Just go. You'll love it. Right. Um, so thank you for sharing that. When you see couples that are going through it, what joy does that bring to you? Or are you still waiting for the last day to see what they look like on the other side of the building up? Like, is it hard for you to see the breakdown, but you know the reward at the end? Or is it, I enjoy every moment of all of it? I do. I actually enjoy every moment. You know, when I first started um, serving at the boot camp. I was just uh, the AV guy. Actually, I was sitting behind the, the computer, didn't do anything else, and that was it. Didn't coach, didn't direct. Um, but I saw actually the changes in people, and I saw the benefits that coaches were getting just being a part of the of, of the change and everything. And so I, I, I was like, hey, I'd, I'd like to try it. And um, and uh, Elizabeth um, says, okay. She put me right out there. And, and at that time, they were they were little needle coaches. So I was by myself. I didn't know what I was doing, but I had seen enough to kind of have a, a feel of it. Um, and, you know, in a conversation that we had had with Elizabeth at dinner one time, um, my wife, who's been on stage many times before and, and doing different things said, you know, uh, mentioned that I thought it would be interesting to be up on stage too. And, and Elizabeth goes, Oh, okay. So she called me up and says, Hey, you want to, you want to try being a director? And I, I did. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be glad to. And, and whatever God wants me to do. And, um, and so now I get, I get all the aspects, right. I, I um, points of view where I, I, I've been through the boot camp for myself. I see how from the beginning, the people are hurting. They are, they're truly hurting. Um, I see the changes 
that people are going through and, and, and just in their in the way they look, right? Their glow, you know, just in, in, in how they're um, able to work through things. And then, um, and, and keep in mind us directors, we're there 15 hours on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, 10 hours, okay? Um, and so by the, the end of the boot camp, where, <laughs> where it's actually the most physical, right? You know, lifting up big guys um, into what, <laughs> cradles and everything. That's where I'm, I'm so tired, but yet that's where the most energy comes from because people are finally actually, you know, saying, wow, this is, this is what it, it feels like to be free, you know, to be free of the pain, to be free of the uh, anger that I've been holding on to and the unforgiveness. And um, just, you know, it actually is emotional for me sometimes. So you might see me in the, when the lights get turned down, I'm over there wiping my eyes because I, I just, um, I just, I love seeing people finally become free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to um, the part where you said there was three things that women normally feel triggered. And there was three things that men normally feel triggered. Is there one of those three that together cause like a snowball effect? Because in my opinion, I feel like some problems cause other problems, right? Mm -hmm. But we only see the big one in front of us. But if we fix that problem over here, it can unlock the rest. So is there like a combination of those that all three are being hit at the same time? Or is it like when these two are paired up, we normally see blank. When these two are paired up, we see blank. And, or, you know, can you explain how that works, that dynamic? Absolutely. It's really, it's feeling unheard, right? So, um, and that goes for both men and women too. So men will actually feel unheard by being coached or being criticized. That's what they're hearing is they're being criticized. But what they're, what, what, what's being done during that time is that the woman is feeling unheard. And um, when, when, a, when a woman feels unheard, she feels unloved, okay? When she feels unseen or unsafe, because safety is so important for a woman, especially a woman who's been traumatized. Um, and, and, you know, with some of the clients that I've, I've worked with, there is sexual trauma in the past. And so they feel unsafe around men in general. Um, and when that happens, it takes a lot of trust. And if trust is, um, is lost because of fighting or for infidelity or whatever it might be, um, it is so hard to get that trust back. Um, but the breakdown where it starts is, is, is just a proper communication and understanding how the other person um, needs to be communicated to. So we, we talk about love languages in, in marriage boot camp, right? Whether it's, you know, physical touch or um, affirmation or, you know, acts of service and also the logical and the emotional language as well. So men tend to speak logically, right? You know, and look at, you know, if, if their wife is, is speaking, it's usually emotional, right? So they're going, why is she being so emotional when this is actually the situation, you know, right here? that's not what she wants to hear. She wants to know, number one, that you're hearing her. And so that's why mirroring is so important when we talk about our, 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 our specific tools of boot camp. So what I heard you say is that when I did this action that made you believe, and as a consequence, you don't want to connect with me. Is that correct? Um, and, you know, she'll correct anything that maybe he didn't catch. Um, but then when he actually steps into her spot and go, hmm, okay, 
So she's feeling this way because of this. Okay, I can, I can understand why you might you might feel that way considering you know whether it's their trauma, whether it's their past, or, or whether just misunderstanding of how he did something. Um, but when she feels heard and validated, it's going to actually calm her nerves down. Um, you know, out there, there's a, there's a theory about the, um, oh, goodness, I can't remember the word. But anyways, there's a theory that when you actually calm the nerves down, it actually helps you um, your, your playful side to come back out, which is your loving side, which is, you know, but that's not going to come out unless, unless you're, you're, uh, your your triggers are calmed, right? You're um, you're not um, going into that trauma, and when when that's all calmed, then the love is actually able to, to come out. The playful side, the all right, let's have fun now. That's able to come out. But I I find that the the, the huge breakdown is is just communicating and feeling heard. Like once you actually feel and it's actually starting to calm down, then everything else changes. Yeah. Um, I just think, I, I just think about that exercise of the triggers and it just cracks me up because like me and Brandon had like this fight that was so petty. Like it was the smallest fight we have ever had, but yet it was the biggest explosion. But once we found out about the whole triggers and were able to break it down, now he asked me the same thing, but in a different way. And then I don't feel like I'm getting triggered, but at the same time, I know it's not him that is causing the trigger, right? And he knows it's not me that's causing like to know that. So what I hear you saying is, is that with the, the communication that you have with it, how do you teach communication though? You know, like how, like how do you help someone articulate how they're feeling when they've never been able to tell how they were feeling? And this is well, not necessarily with the boot camp. I'm just saying in general with your coaching. Yeah, well, and we, we use a lot, um, a lot of stuff from boot camp in our coaching because it's so powerful. The ABC is, is the most important part of that, especially when it comes to trauma, because you have to be able to acknowledge what the original action was, right? And it has to be bite-sized. So you can't, um, you know, if, you, if, you, if one of the, the, um, the spouses is somebody who likes to, to talk a lot, like, get a lot of information out and the other person is not going to be able to understand everything. They're not going to be able to mirror back everything because there's so much. And so we, in our coaching, will actually break down what was the original action. Okay. And, and, you know, for instance, if it's um, a lot of times fights snowball, right. And the snowball effect means it gets bigger and bigger and bigger because we didn't look at what started it from the beginning. And if we took a look at that original action and find out what belief both people had about that situation, now they're able to go, oh, you know, we, we actually did a session last night with a couple where she felt like her action was, was going to help him and help his business. Um, and, but his logical mind took over. Well, I need more information. I need, you know, how much this can cost? But is this really going to help me? Is it really going to do it? And she's just like, whoa, I was just trying to help out. You know, you don't need to come at me rapid fire. And, you know, it's because again, logic, emotional mm -hmm. languages happening at the same time, but it was that one action and they both had different beliefs of that one action. 
And so yeah. we have to break it down to that original action. What started this? What's your belief about that? What's your belief about that? Okay. Now, what are the feelings behind those beliefs? When, when you break it down, you, you know, then you don't really even have to go into all the other parts of the fights and what, you know, what happened after that, because it, it doesn't matter anymore. The snowball ends there. So if, if we, we pound, I say ground and pound into people's heads, the ABC, and they practice it and practice it for the good, right? So for, you know, for you, hey, Brandon, when you came home and, and gave me a massage, my belief was is that you loved me and you knew that I had a rough day. And as a, as a consequence, I want to show you more love. Okay, so you can use the ABC for the good things as well. It's, it's all about practice. It's all about um, learning and understanding. And then when you, when you acknowledge, okay, my temperature's going up, I'm getting triggered. Hey, let me tell you about the action of this and what my belief is. And the belief is just a story you're telling yourself. It's not necessarily the truth because your truth is your truth. It's just a story that you're telling yourself in that moment. And mm -hmm. that's what we have to break down to begin with. Mm, I love it. Yes. Thank you. That, that clears up a lot for me just in general. I am in very well articulated. Christine Barr here, and I would like to talk to you about one of our sponsors, Rags for Ransom Boutique, owned by Bridget Kingsbury. She has amazing items for sale that you didn't even know that you wanted until you saw it. And she also debunks the stereotype that boutique clothes is only for a certain size or a certain look at a certain price. She's able to give you some great quality pieces that make you feel amazing every time you slip it onto your body and it just hugs you and it fits and she can give you guidance on whatever you feel like is important for you and your style. If you like, you can go to Rags for Ransom Boutique on Facebook and there you can see her pre-sells, you can see all the things that she has in stock and we get to talk about the pieces that we love. You can post a picture of what you're wearing to inspire other women to know that they can go out of their comfort zone and still look amazing. Thank you for Bridget for putting that platform out there for us so that we can feel comfortable in our clothes. That's Rags for Ransom Boutique. Every woman, every size, every style for every day. Let's move on to a different subject. So tell me about, um, you said that you have a blended family. So how old does your family work? Well, now, you know, uh, at the end right now, it's just me, Christy, and, and our 14-year-old daughter. So um, we have three older sons. One, um, our 28-year-old lives on his own in, um, in here in the Dallas area. Um, our next one, uh, who has a one-year-old baby boy, 
uh, Caleb and his wife, Kelsey, they live in uh, Chandler, Arizona, Arizona. And then our youngest son, Logan, uh, is married. Uh, him and Aaron live up in Idaho. He's finishing out his uh, last year of school and he'll graduate next uh, April with a degree in automotive engineering. Oh, wow. And he's going to work for Tesla. So cool. um, when we got married uh, nine years ago, um, it was just me and Katie, my, our daughter. And um, we lived out in Fort Worth and Christy and her boys uh, lived out past McKinney. And so, so it was quite a drive in order for us to actually see, but um, it started, you know, us just going out on a date and, and the date ended up being eight hours. <laughs> so we counted it as the first two dates. Um, that, way we, that way we could say we didn't kiss on the first date. Um, and, um, you know, what, what we realized is how um, safe we both felt with each other and how it was around, you know, right before Halloween when we started dating and then we spent Thanksgiving together um, and then we were on each other during Christmas and it just felt like we were a family. Yeah. Um, and there's never been a step, anything in our family. Uh, in fact, Christy adopted my daughter um, and, um, you know, the boys, well, they're all men now, but I call them still the boys. They all call yeah. me dad. Yeah. Um, and those are my sons. Um, even though I didn't raise them, um, before they were teens, um, those are my sons. So there is, there's no such thing as step anything in our family. Yeah. I love that. So do you find it hard to work and balance home life at the same time? Like, is it hard to be a dad and work at the same time? I used to. And the reason that that is because um, when we got married, um, I moved in with her in her home. And so she'd established her home. She established on how she was raising, you know, these three young men. And um, I I didn't want to come in and step on toes. You know, I didn't want to come in and and be some kind of, um, you know, somebody who had the discipline and all, you know. And, and, and so, so she'd already established that and I kind of let that be. Um, but there were times where I, I didn't know where my real role in the home was as a result of that. Um, and I, I worked an hour away. Um, and so I'd have to, you know, I'd leave an hour, you know, before work, it was a 10 hour shift, an hour back. And so I was gone quite a bit uh, during the day into the night. And um, so I, I found that to be difficult, um, just trying to manage you know, my responsibilities as a, as a husband, you know, obviously with my wife, but then what my role was um, with, with my sons. And I, I, I learned really quickly that my role was just to be a cheerleader, a support, you know, when um, my son Logan had football games, I was the loudest one in the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, when my, my son Caleb had uh, national competitions, uh, we drove all the way to Indianapolis or, um, or St. Louis to, to support him um, and, and being in those, those competitions. And that was my role. Um, you know, we, um, we didn't have all the money in the world. You know, we, we both were working and, and then Christy was able to, to quit her full-time job and, and start her own business. Um, but, you know, um, and, I, and I felt sometimes like I wasn't making enough money, you know, to provide enough for my family. So that, that made it hard too. And, um, and realizing that I was, I needed to, to figure out more ways of bringing in income uh, for our family. 
Um, yes. So. Do you think that is something that most men deal with? Do you think like, it's not necessarily keeping up with the Joneses all the time. It's just what we want to do as men or as men, like I am one, like what we want to do um, to support the family versus what the finances is for that. Is that troubling for men to like balance that? Or is it more of a, I see what other people have. She wants this. I want to give her all of that, but this is what we got. Sorry about you. Like, is that a battle that you see a lot in men? Actually, I actually am learning more that women are struggling with their husbands more because they want to spiritually and emotionally and mentally grow. And the men, they just, their biggest thing is they just want to go to work and provide, right? That's, and they, and they make enough money to provide for the family, to keep the house, to keep the cars, you know, and that's all they feel their responsibility is. Um, and I mean, they'll help with the children, they'll help with the chores in the house, but they don't necessarily feel like they have to emotionally grow. Um, and women are actually starting to feel lonely because of that particular thing. They're feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm here. I am, I'm growing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to these podcasts, you know, and I'm listening, uh, on how I can be a better person in my everyday life. But my husband, all he does is, and, uh, and I've seen two different areas, a husband who works all day, comes home, expects dinner on the, you know, on the table and he'll go and watch TV or he'll go to bed and play with the kids a little bit, but doesn't really emotionally connect with the wife. And then there's the other one who he'll go to work, but then he comes home and plays video games for five, six hours <laughs> and doesn't do anything else to help out and then goes yeah. to bed. And sometimes yeah. we'll actually play video games at two o'clock in the morning, wake up, you know, at six, go to work, you know, and, and there again, doesn't emotionally connect with his wife. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then the wife will actually say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And so he feels criticized. Okay. Mm -hmm. He feels like, oh, you know, like he's not good enough now because, um, you know, he, because he's providing financially, but because the, the emotional, you know, providing isn't, isn't happening for his wife. And so he's feeling like, you know, then, then leave me then if that's what you want. Um, and that's sad to me. That's sad that us as men don't, um, aren't changing with the times as well. We, we have to um, not only just support our wives and what they're trying to accomplish, whether it's just, you know, doing better for themselves, but take a, you know, take some time and go, hey, what can I do that will also help me so I can be a better person as well? You know, if you take, if, if, if a person is playing five or six hours of video games every night, take one hour of that, okay, and go read a book, or listen to a podcast, or um, go to, you know, do something religious. If you're a religious person that, you know, or if you're somebody that goes to church, but doesn't really do much with it outside of just going to church, do something with your wife and your kids, you know, to help the spirituality of the family. Um, you know, all it takes is one extra hour out of your time to do that. Now I get it. Some men work 18 hour days and they come home, they eat dinner and go to bed. And I get that. Well, where are your priorities at? And if you're, if you're needing to, make more money, you know, because you're in debt or, or whatever the case is, that's a different subject. Don't let that be something that is affecting your relationship. You still have to invest in your relationship, in your marriage and in your children. As much as you invest in a home or in a car or 
you know, your business, if you're an entrepreneur, um, you still have to invest in the family as well. Yeah. Do you think it's a, a generational thing? Well, yeah, I mean, we, or how they men were absolutely men were, you know, the, the, the younger men today are, are learning differently because they're so involved with television, with social media, with, with everything digital, right? So there's so many more things that they are being influenced by where um, older generations didn't have that. They had a little bit of TV um, that might've influenced them a little bit, but for the most part, their influence came, uh, uh, came to them by the people around them, their families, their aunts, uncles, cousins, their tribe, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and so they, what they learned is what their parents, their, their, their father taught them, okay? And so, and then their father and their father. And so generationally, we, we have these beliefs that we learn. And so in the, in the 50s, 60s, or 40s, 50s, men went to work, they came home, the wife did everything, took care of the children, ironed the clothes, went grocery shopping, didn't work at all, okay? Um, and then things started to change where women were starting to have to work outside of the home. So children were starting to get more affected by that, um, but men were still expecting the wives to be that way, and yeah. you can't, you know? Um, times have changed. Women are just as powerful as men, and they, they deserve to have the same respect as men do. And that's why, you know, in my belief, uh, a woman is, is equal to her husband in the family. Um, women are equal in everything to men. Just because a woman can't swing a big ax to cut wood doesn't mean that she needs to because a man can't do some of the things women can do, right? right. Um, but in, in every important aspect, they're absolutely equal. Yeah. Um, but that's not how we grew up. That's yeah. not what we saw as children. Um, and, and that's why women are waking up today and we're trying to get men to wake up as well and say, hey, it's time to, to realize that um, she's gonna leave you if you don't, you know, <laughs> don't yeah. uh, get in tune with her emotional needs. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there any, and this is just me thinking, is there anything out there? Cause I mean, women have done a lot to corral each other and support through each other. What do men have in order to support each other through that journey? I don't, I haven't seen as much. And I know like the smart, the smart mouth in me, like just wanting to be a smart ass is like, yeah, they have fucking, you know, corporate America is their club. Like that's my, that's my, me being a smart ass. Right. Yeah. But what do men have to help them grow together like if they wanted to research something what would help them that not necessarily i know the church helps but what what else would they have to help them grow yeah well you know those those um corporate assets you're talking about that's the one percent <laughs> right that's the one percent right. of uh you know the rich people that think that they know everything and so what what do the rest of us have you know a lot of men have sports right where they that's where they connect and, um, but that goes back to our barbaric days. Now, I'm going to be truthful. Men have not come too far since our caveman days, because all <laughs> we want to know is that me do good, right? right. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so for men in their growth, they're, 
um, there are actually more and more men that are starting to wake up. Um, in fact, I, I um, joined a Facebook group called Order of Man. Uh, it's about, I think there's like 70,000 followers of, of this guy. Um, and he, um, I'm trying to think, of, his name is Ryan, and I can't remember his last name, but um, basically he just brought a group together of men just saying, hey, how can we support each other? So there are groups that are starting to come out out there. Like I, I've even established a group for men who have gone through the marriage boot camp and still want to have that support and a place where they can go and say, this is what I'm frustrated with, what I'm, I'm having a problem with. And, and it's a slow group right now, um, you know, but we have about 70 who have gone through boot camp and are, are part of that group. And, um, but it, it, it's, there hasn't been really, you know, uh, a lot of uh, support for men. And it's just recently where uh, men like um, uh, Tony Robbins, for instance, yeah, is, is yeah, somebody yeah. who I can use an example, who is, um, Grant, he's, he's making money off of, off of this. Um, that's his livelihood. However, what he offers um, is, uh, it's, it's, it's huge. The kind of um, things that he talks about when he's saying of who, of, of, of us waking up and what's, who, what kind of men we should be to make safe places for women, right? So if you were to, if you were to talk about it in um, masculine and feminine energies, right? The right. feminine energy is where creativity happens and women are so creative. Um, and if, if they have a safe place to, to be that creation, um, there, it's, uh, there's, there's nothing that a woman can't do with that, right? right? But men as, as in our masculine energy can actually be safe containers to hold that energy so that it can move forward. Um, so my, the church definitely helps um, for, for somebody like me. And, and, and we have group um, age groups for men, you know? Um, and so that's a, that's a way for us to actually help serve our fellow men as well. Um, but unfortunately, you know, there's, there, um, what you, all you hear about is the NRA, right? That's the men's group, NRA for guns. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not really big on that. Um, but I, I feel like um, you can find uh, groups out there. I, I know there are actual even motorcycle groups that are, yeah. that are, that are actually <laughs> very supportive, very, um, you know, and not the, not the ones you see on TV, the Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. I, I mean, there, the there, there are some out there, but that's not the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> okay. about these are groups that actually um, are um, former military who actually um, support um, each other and support great causes, right? They do, they do um, motorcycle, motorcycle rallies. Um, and, and yeah, some of them, they, they go and they, they have some beers and they have fun. But that is a, a friendship. If someone needs something, that group is there for them. And that's what men need. Men need that, that support from good friends, from people that they can trust. If, if, um, if one dies, then I bet you that every member of that motorcycle group will make sure that, that family is taken care of. Yep. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a tribe. That's the kind of tribe that us men need. Okay. Thank you for answering that. I just... 
I, you, there's always, oh, be a badass bitch group or, oh, moms of blah, 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 or moms of this or women of this area. It's always something that, and I know that that's probably something that they're feeding to me because I am a woman, but I've never heard anyone say that they had a male group at that caliber. So thank you for speaking on that. I hope that someone listens and they can find them um, a good male tribe, as you say, or someone that they can have a community of men that can come up and support them so that they feel comfortable in growth. Um, So question, how do you see yourself in media? Do you fit your stereotype or are you a different, like you're like, no, my stereotype is not what I look like or my lifestyle. So I hope that it's not what I look like because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big, fat, white, bald guy, right? Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I love the outdoors. I, I love guns. I love my country. I love the flag. And I love people. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I, it hurts me when people are hurting. And um, I am, I'm so tired of <sighs> mainstream media showing us all the bad stuff and not the good stuff that's going on in this country. Um, and, you know, I wish more mainstream media would see that, um, like, like at our marriage boot camp, you get people of all races, all ethnic backgrounds, all religions, people who don't believe in God, but they come together and they support and love each other, okay? And they help each other heal from their traumas. And, 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 there's no, there's no judgment in there, you know? And so if we can get away from, and I really actually believe that the, the digital age that we are in is part of the problem. Um, but if we can actually start to use that to show all the good that is going on, all the, Hey, this is, you know, this is where we're, we're coming together. Um, then, you know, I, I think that's, um, the image that somebody like myself would give off. People wouldn't think, oh, here comes a goat, uh, gun-toting, you know, <laughs> white boy that, that is privileged and everything. And I, I, you know, I can understand why someone would, would have that feeling because that's what they see on TV. Just like what I see on TV sometimes is somebody who is a hood rat or, you know, and I should be scared because that guy's going to rob me, right? right. Um, because of his color of skin, because that's what I see. But that's not true. That's not, that's, that's not what we should be actually showing. We should be showing how we're coming together. Um, and so I, I hope that the way I live my life is not a, a reflection of what someone might look at me and say, oh, I can tell what that kind of guy is, you know? Um, or, oh, because he voted for this candidate, he must believe in this. Well, that's not the case. I don't, I don't believe in, in hate. I don't believe in violence. I don't believe in, I don't believe that, that, um, that a police officer gets to get away with everything. Okay. I, I believe that they should be held accountable for their actions as well. And there needs to be more training, right? So I believe, yes, I believe all lives matter, but I also believe right now that we're focusing on black lives mattering, right? Um, because they're the ones that, that are hurting right now. And, and that's what we need to, we need to look at. We need to look at those who are hurting and how can we help them, 
Okay, that doesn't mean that a white person is not hurting or, or Hispanic or anything like that. It means that these are the ones that are loud, speaking loud and saying, hey, I'm hurting right now. Can you can you give me a little bit of attention? Just like a child, right? So if you're if you have five children and four sitting there quiet, reading their, reading a book, but one is crying and yelling and screaming, are you not going to go over and try to help that one child? Or are you going to go, okay, I know you're screaming and yelling, but I've got to I've got to help these four also. No, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go to the one who's hurting and find out, hey, how can I help you? And once I once I'm helping you, now I can go back to helping everybody and and that's being calm. So um so yeah, so I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um I, for the simple reason of you being a white male, I think that to express that you are not your stereotype mm-hmm. and that just like no one is really their stereotype. So to hear it coming from you, I think that is something that everybody needs to be able to say, hey, like, yeah, I might look like this, which I ask that question to everyone. Normally, when we speak with women, it's about their weight or about being a single mom or um, being the breadwinner in the family. Um, I know on my episode, it was Brandon being white, me being black, but like what people expect me to be because I'm with a white male and what they expect him to be because he's with a black female. And it's like, no, neither one of us fall in the stereotype of what media or the stereotype of what we should be. So thank you for speaking on that. Um, So um, when you make friends, do you choose morals or characteristics? Mm. Well, I guess the characteristics starts because, you know, usually that's a reflection of their morality, right? Other other morals. So, I'll, I'll take um, I'll take your husband as an example of somebody who um, is not loud, right? <laughs> and um, but he has he has a powerful message that he does that that he has just for who he is, you know. Um, and he's not, he's not the kind of person that's gonna, um, for, for those who, you know, have not been to marriage boot camp, we do a thing called cradling, okay? And, and basically it's like being a little child again where you're, you're held by your mother, but a group of us hold you. I mean, we, while playing a song, well, during these cradles, and hopefully I, I don't get in trouble for telling too much information about what we do, but um, some of these cradles, we actually will lift a person in the air. So it's even more freeing. Um, and we actually did that to Brandon. Now, Brandon um, is not a small guy. Okay. Um, and uh, and I, I don't think he was prepared for that. We weren't prepared for it, actually. It was kind of thrown at us. But um, but the, but the, but here, here, you could actually see this, this, this man, this, this giant of a man feeling free up there and probably scared at the same time because he's like, okay, they're going to drop me. Right. Uh, but we have them six feet in the air y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I judge him based off of his willingness to trust. He trusted the process. He trusted us enough to, to lift him up in the air. And when you give him a hug, when you, you know, shake his hand, this is a giant of a man that, um, not because, not, not just because he's, you know, a good sized guy, but just because of his heart. And so you can tell that 
that he's somebody that that if if uh, shit hit the fan, you'd want him on your side because <laughs> yeah. he, he's going to um, he'll fight for what he believes in, yeah, and what he loves, and you can tell the love that he has for his wife, um, and that that alone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm glad that alone know. actually said a lot to me about him is, is the love that he has for his wife. So, oh, thank you. Are you ready for your spitfire questions? <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you religious or spiritual? I'm both. Who's your role model? Um, I, I've changed it recently. I actually, um, his name is Tim Ballard. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. What's your favorite color? Blue. Favorite book? Oh, what's it called? I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a book for men. I'll have to. No, it's okay. Is it a self-help book? Um, it's, it's a book about a, a guy that actually talks about how men who um, actually cross over into becoming a man and the process and how a lot of men actually didn't get that because their father was abusive and, and all this other stuff. And so the proper way for a man and how God actually meant for it to happen um where and men are always the kind that are have to to fight for something they love to fight for something and women are the ones that love to be fought for and so it's kind of the the concept of the book oh that sounds good <laughs> are you a saver or a spender i'm a spender are you a democrat or a republican uh, i pass okay um, i'm more you- i'm actually i'm actually um uh, more independent, um, but I lean conservative, so I lean more Republican. Okay, um, I say I am a very liberal conservative. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like I like guns, but I'm into gay marriage. I like weed, but I'm totally into these taxes. You right. know, like <laughs> I'm a liberal conservative. Yeah. Okay. Normally, I ask, are you a good girl or a good boy? I mean, good girl or a bad girl, but are you a good man or a bad man? I, I, ha- I, I hope that people think I'm a good man. I know <laughs> that I have bad tendencies sometimes, but I try to be a good man. Are you a rule maker, breaker, or follower? <laughs> um, I, am a, I, I am a maker but I'll follow. Um, and so I think I need to break it. Oh, ooh, wow. I like that answer. I haven't had that one yet. What is your natural speed hair? Limits, speed limits are meant to be broken. So. <laughs> what is your natural hair color? It was blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, a, I was a natural blonde growing up until I lost it all. <laughs> all right. Guac or queso? Queso. Do you like yellow queso or white queso? Oh, yeah. Okay. Does it have? It depends. So white queso when it has um, uh, chorizo. Okay. Yes. Yes, But the yellow one when it has like the pico. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Oh, I totally forgot about pico. Okay. (laughs) If you got a million dollars today, what would be the top three things that you would do? Pay off my debt buy the property that I'm currently looking at and then um, 
I actually this I've, I've done this once before and Christmas time is the perfect time to go do it. Um, I actually loved going and buying people's groceries without them knowing. Um, and so if I had if I had that ability, uh, like a credit card that had a big, you know, balance, I would just go to a Walmart again and just tell the manager, hey, pay for that person's groceries. Don't let them pay for it. And um, actually, I, I saw that on a on a Facebook post one time that someone did it. So we did that for Christmas a few years back. And it was like one of the most rewarding things. And they didn't know who we were and everything. We were hiding and watching and everything. It was one of the most rewarding things I'd ever done, actually. I love did y'all give presents to each other that year too? Or was that like your Christmas? No, that was, we, we still, we still gave each other presents and everything, yeah. but we always, um, we always do something to serve during that time. One year we actually all wrote um, notes like, that, um, like a card that says, Hey, I just wanted you to know that you matter, you know, and stuff like that in a note and then handed it to random people at, at a store. Oh, wow. That's so we didn't have all the money we could with that year, but yeah. no. <laughs> you know, but we still did something to, to um, yeah. To touch someone at that moment. My son got kicked out of the grocery store because he gave a lady a card and was helping her to her car with their with their groceries and they told him not to come back. Really? <laughs> but yeah, they, um, it was okay. Get freaked out, I guess. What is your love language? So it used to be physical touch. Um, and now I've learned over time that I actually love receiving gifts. Oh, yeah. I hate asking for stuff, but I love receiving stuff. <laughs> really? So like, what do you think was the change? Um, I think maybe just age, um, just got older and just realized that, uh, what really was actually making me happy. Cause I, I mean, I still love touch. Touch is still one of my, my love languages, but, um, not, not too many people get to touch me. So I, <laughs> <laughs> just my wife so that's you know um so I've realized that over time like other things that other people can or do for me make me feel loved as well so how do you show love I I show love actually by um by serving um by gifts and um yeah those two main things yeah by acts of service um, so my, my, my biggest fear actually is dying at a young age, um, because I, um, I hadn't taken care of myself. I'm a, I'm a bigger guy and I'm diabetic, um, with neuropathy in my feet. And, and so my biggest fear is leaving my wife and kids, um, too early. Yeah. Um, plastic surgery. Do you have any, have you gotten any, would you, are you for it? Are you against it? <laughs> I, I feel like if someone wants it, you know, um, hopefully they love themselves enough before they do it, because after they do it, they may not um, feel any different. Um, I don't have any plastic surgery. Um, I, I do have a screw in my foot. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh, not normal. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I'm not against it for people if it, if it helps them. Yeah. Okay. Would you ever get any? I don't know what they, I mean, maybe, maybe like liposuction. I don't know. Something like that. That's, yeah. or, you know, taking away some of the fat after I lose the weight, you know, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's considered part of plastics right? for so many different reasons. Like I think as a society, we think of plastic surgery as just simply like beautification or the aesthetics part, 
But there's so much, I mean, like getting in a motorcycle accident and you have to get their face put back together or like a a dog rips your ear off or something. Like they have to show that you go to plastic surgeons for that. Exactly. It could be anything. Yeah, absolutely. I think lipo is a good one. So is there anything that you want to say to the listener that we have not covered yet? I, um, I, first of all, I really appreciate the fact that you're, you're doing something like this. Um, I'm not somebody who uh, goes on podcast. I don't, I'm, I don't speak well, you know? Um, so I, I really appreciate you reaching out to somebody who's just a normal guy out there that's trying to do his best. And, um, I'm, I am fully of the opinion that we need to love our neighbor. Okay. And don't judge so much of what is going out in the world um, of what you see on tv or hear on social media um, and if you are the kind of person that needs to heal some kind of trauma and there's a lot of trauma right now because of of social media showing all this horrible stuff find a way to um to get through that and and, and find a way to heal uh, reach out to to people who are um that are helping others throughout their trauma. Um, and you'll, you'll find that a lot of people have the same mess that you have. So you're not alone. You are, um, you are loved and, um, you know, God bless all of you. Okay. Mind's blown because after listening back to this, when I was editing and all those things, I almost got mesmerized in the conversation where I like had to just listen to the whole podcast and the conversation, even though that I was there. But whoa, um, Rick has so many different outlooks. If you did not take away something for for yourself, if you did not take away something for your marriage, if you didn't take something away for your lifestyle that you have right now. Everything he said was so beautiful that it just made me have to sit back and think, wow, am I doing that for my husband? Am I doing that for my husband? And in my, I, I, I know that I live in the lifestyle of, you know, we have very many mutual friends um, with Rick, especially, you know, being coaches, um, Brandon and I being coaches with a boot camp. But to be able to, listen to him raw speaking about it and the things that he sees and the things that he feels like will help men in general please pass this episode to every man that you know (laughs) if you know your husband listens to podcasts or he has a long commute this series of men that I'm talking with please pass it all along. I think that it is going to change some some personalities. I think it's going to change some traits. I think it's going to open some eyes. He oh, I think when when he says, you know, when I when I make the comment of I'm being a smart ass, but I think that it has a lot to do with that one person, you know, with white men. That's your group. You know, you have white men in the bird room. And he says, well, that's the one percent. But what about everybody else? 
It kind of shocked me listening to that because I believe that as women and not all women, we have this idea that men are running the world or they have this little boys club, but they really only have that for certain tiers of community. What about all the rest of the men? How can we... How can we help our husbands, our brothers, our fathers to find a healthy, number one thing, right? Healthy and non-judgmental and open place for them to be able to find their way. That That is the question, right? How do we do that? And it It's nice to hear a man that is in the self-help industry, marriage industry, explain what he sees and how we can make a difference. And if you know, as a wife, we sit there (laughs) and we're like, we need to be better at this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And sometimes we have a woman's group and my women's group we were talking about. And you never hear a man saying those sentences. So how can we support these men in our life to be able to find a safe, open, non-judgmental group where they can go? And I think that's something that we need to look into. I think that's something that I hope that um, becomes a thing so that we can do better. And I hope that this helps you find that. Um, if you want to see a picture of Mr. Rick Diamond, <laughs> please go to our Facebook group, You Gotta Meet Her Podcast. You can um, see his picture there if you would like to be contacted with him. If you know that your husband is looking for a good brotherhood to join, please let me know. I will make sure that I give you Rick's information. Also, if you are looking into doing self-help for you or for your marriage, please let me know. Me and my husband would love to sponsor you for the marriage boot camp and life enrichment boot camp. Um, The next one will be in January or February, I believe. And we will make sure that you get signed up. They are taking COVID precautions, so you don't have to necessarily worry about being in a room of people. I don't want to give too much information than what we already talked about in the in the podcast with Rick because I want you to be able to immerse yourself in it and find that truth. Uh, Just let me know how I can help you if you just want to know more information. I a hundred times over and over and over again will love to sponsor you and your husband. Me and my husband would love to sponsor you and your husband or your brother or your father, whatever it may be, a cousin a nephew. I'm trying to think of all the men that you have. A boss. <laughs> Your son. Um, to gain that that balance and be more self-aware. Um, to find a brotherhood where you will find friends that you never thought you would ever be friends with. So those are my, <laughs> my rah, rah, rah for self-help and men. I hope that you enjoy this. I hope you enjoy the series that we are doing. Again, go to our Facebook group. You got to meet her podcast. And um, I think that's it. We will be talking with another male soon. 
Um, I believe it's next week. And he has an intense story. So um, I I don't know why I'm giggling. I think it's just because I never have talked to so many men in a deep conversation for so long. So it's, it's, it's exciting for me. I hope it's exciting for you to listen. I love you. Um, We have some new countries listening. We have Singapore that's in the house. Um, We also have New Zealand. They're here with us. Egypt's with us. So please, thank you. And you're welcome. (laughs) Please thank you. You're welcome. I think that's it. I hit them all. Um, Please keep sharing. And if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. I am Christine Barr, and I will check you out on the next one.